Well, we're going to open God's Word in a minute, and here goes. So Third John, if you want to find it in the Bible, it'll come up in the PowerPoint in a minute. I, I was at a, seems like I always go to conferences and leadership things, but I don't. I wish I could go to more. But there was one in, in Napier a few weeks ago, and there was this um, Indian, like India, not cowboy Indian, India person who was actually Scottish and Indian, and he's a real revivalist, and he was speaking. There was only a, a small group there, and he was passionate about leading people and churches into revival situations in God, and oh, he was a really great speaker. But one point in his message, he made this statement, and I've made it my message this morning. He just made this one statement. I can't remember much. I took notes. I can't remember much else that he said. It was very good. But somehow God just focused me on this one line that he said. He said, as I travel around the world, I see churches that are full of people who know Jesus as Savior, but do not know Jesus as healer. And I was undone by that. It's not, it wasn't a new insight to me. I pastor a church. They need healing, right? We all need healing. We'll talk about that in a minute, okay? It wasn't a new insight, but somehow God just struck me. And he said, Mike, that's what you need to be bringing, a message of healing to people. So many people today know Jesus as Savior, but they do not know him as healer. He, he wasn't talking about physical healing. We're into physical healing. But he wasn't talking about physical healing. He was talking about emotional well-being, emotional health. The, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' favorite disciples, wrote this in 3 John verse 2. He said this. He said, Dear friend, I am praying that all is well with you and that your body is as healthy as your soul is. Now, we don't know the friend of John that he wrote to, but obviously this friend that John had had a, had a, a physical sickness. His body was not well. And I love how John puts it. He said to this friend, I pray that your body is as well as your soul is well. This man's soul was well. His soul was prosperous. You know, I think one of the biggest issues that we face in our society, I can only talk for New Zealand because I haven't been much outside New Well, I've been in the Asia Basin a bit, but not a lot. One of the biggest issues that we face is the impact of mental health issues on our society. If you work in the social sector, the education sector or the health sector, put your hand up if you do that, just so I see Here's the deal. You know what I'm talking about. The mental health issues, the depression, the, the broken families, the addictions, the mental health issues that we are facing as a society are becoming so large we do not have the ability, government-wise, to deal with it. I've done enough of working with people and families to know that most mental health issues stem from a sickness in the soul. We are not well in our soul. Many young people are brought up in families where the families are not well in their soul. Now, don't get me wrong. We all start broken. We all start broken on our journey to God. Not one of us is whole when we come to God. We all have brokenness. We're all sin. We all sin. We're all fallen. The disease of sin has affected every one of us. But when we commit our life to following Jesus. When we say to God, yes, I believe in you and I give my life to you as Lord and Savior and I passionately commit my life to following you. As, as, as was said this morning, Jesus comes into your life as Holy Spirit. And he gives us 
his word to guide us. And as we open his word and as we listen to his Holy Spirit, as we read his word, the logos of his word, as we get the rima, the word of God spoken directly from his Holy Spirit into us, it brings into us, or it should, a healing into our brokenness. We, the Word of God and the Spirit of God bring transformation into our life that results in us becoming more emotionally mature and spiritually healthy. We become more prosperous in our soul. You've gone quiet on me. Prosperity of soul is God's heart for every person in this room. It is. God wants that your soul would prosper. Just, I pray, says John, that your body is well just as your soul is well. God's heart for you is prosperity of soul. Prosperity of soul is when there is more emotional abundance and health and strength in you and emotional well-being in you that it flows out of you to those around you. Is your soul full? Is your soul prosperous? Because I want to tell you, a healthy church needs to have healthy people whose souls are prospering. Church, to be healthy, needs healthy people in them. The influence, the impact, the depth of Bay City and our church and every other church, the depth, the impact, the influence of our church is determined by the spiritual and emotional health of the people that are in it. We cannot influence this world out of sick souls. Our soul needs to be well. To put it another way, if the people in the church are healthy, then the church will be healthy. And if the church is healthy, then the church will grow because healthy things grow. That's what they do. Ephesians 4 and 16 says this, Paul writing, he says, He, Christ, makes the whole body, all of you guys, fit together perfectly as each one does its part, its own special work. Do you know this, that you have a special part to play in the kingdom of God and in this church that God has called you to be part of? You have a special part. And look what it says. It says that when you do your special part, what does it do? It helps the other parts what? Grow. And then, and then, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So our spiritual health determines the growth and the impact of our church. God has got a call over Bay City. God has got a call over Bay City not only to influence and impact Hawke's Bay, but to influence the world. But I want to tell you, the ability for Bay City to walk into that destiny and fulfill everything that God has for it is the health of you and you and you the spiritual health of you and you, because the influence, the impact, the depth of a church is only determined by the health of the individuals in it. So I want to say to you this morning, if I'm going too fast, I'm really sorry, but I just, you know, I'm ADH all around. That's why I had to get the guy to give me a headset rather than a handheld. But I want to tell you, what does, I want to ask this morning, what does a healthy soul that loves God and pleases him look like? What does it look like? What does it look like for you to have a healthy soul? Well, again, the Bible, the Word of God, is very clear about how it looks. And I'm just going to look at two verses. I could look at a whole lot, but I just want to look at two verses and read a couple of verses that talk about this quite differently. That's why I like them. But they're talking about the same thing. 
The first is the most well-known verse, and you probably won't even need to look at it in your Bibles. It's in Matthew chapter 22. It's Jesus speaking. Someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus said this. You know the verse. The greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord of God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. And then Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's an indicator of spiritual health. It covers the three aspects of spiritual health that we're going to look at this morning. Here's a verse I love. I just love this verse. I, I just chucked it up, but it, it covers the same issue. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Look at it. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Don't you love that term? A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others for such sacrifices, please God. You see, the life that pleases God, just hold that slide for a moment, but the life that pleases God, a healthy spiritual life, a prosperous soul, listen to this, people, has both a vertical connection and a horizontal outworking. It must have that. It has a vertical connection and it has a horizontal outworking. One has to do with our relationship with God vertically. The other has to do with our relationships with people. It's interesting, this term and this verse, to share with others, is actually better translated fellowship, close fellowship. What he's saying is that, that a sacrifice of praise is when you have close fellowship with other people. It's talking about those in your, in your spiritual inner circle, those in your inner your family, your spiritual family. So a healthy spiritual life is marked, firstly, by a passionate love for God and a growing desire to know him better. Next slide. So the first part of it is, is that we have a passionate love for God. We draw into God. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. We draw into him. A healthy spiritual life has a focus, a passionate focus on God, which results in me becoming a more healthy person, recognizable by the people around me. This is no rocket science, but God has told us to be loving people. And yet so many, not in this church I know, but so many that own the name of Jesus are just dashed difficult to get along with. And they shouldn't be, because their soul should be healthy. And if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time and you're difficult to get along with, then you've got to, and you'll find this in a minute, you've got to question your connection. Is it really with God? Because when God gets hold of your life, something happens in you, and it's noticeable by the people closest to you, around you. They see a difference in your relationship. They get on better with you. Now, that's not to say that some will hate what's in you. I'm not talking about that. If, if, but, but sometimes we just dash difficult. That's why they hate us. What's in us should be drawing something of God and flowing out from us. And if people don't like it, it's because they don't like the God that we serve. So a passionate spiritual life is marked by a deep relationship with God but it does something in us, and then it has a corresponding flow out to the people around us. The first central connection is our relationship with God. We are to love God with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, puts it this way, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, 
the fruit of our lips that confess his name. God's name needs to be on our lips. You know, what I ask is, do you know why God tells us to worship him? You do need to know this. God is not an egotist. He, he, he doesn't need your worship to feel good, all right? So why does God tell us to worship him? I want you to remember this. He tells us to worship him because he knows that human beings created in his image will worship something or someone, and we become like that which we worship. We become like that which we worship. Have you ever watched English or European soccer hooligans, you know? Or just soccer fans. I've got one of them down there. I, I, I hope none of this is offensive in the next few moments. But have you ever noticed how they all start to look alike? Not only do they wear the same jersey, but they start to look alike. You know, when you worship something, you become like it. Have you ever watched, and I apologize if anyone's in the room like these that I just used, but have you ever watched, you know, a, a dock worker on TV? Don't they all look alike? Even the woman. Have you, ever, have you ever watched on TV, because I know none of you have been to it, a cat, what do you call them? Show. You know, people that love and worship stuff start to become like what they worship. All right? That's why God says, don't worship something inferior. Worship me, and then you will become like me. When we get out, and this is, this is where it's crucial to understand. Now, this is, this is crucial for some blokes, because blokes approach worship a little differently than girls, all right? No one wants to own up to this, you know. We struggle with some of the feminization of the words, you know. But we do understand worship. If you're an All Black fan, you understand worship. If you follow your favorite rugby, you understand worship. And that is why God says you will worship something, men. Just make sure what you worship. It's the most important thing to worship. And make me first at the center of your life. When you worship God and get him at the center of your life, here's what I want to promise you. The other areas of your life will come into rhythm and flow in the purposes that God has for you. Your soul will prosper and there will be an outflow from your soul into the world around you if you put God at the center of your life and you worship him. When... When something else becomes the center of your life, when something else becomes the focus of your life, when you worship something else before God, here's what I want to tell you. Your life will start to slowly sink, go out of rhythm. It will move out of rhythm. You, it may happen so slowly that you won't notice it, but it will happen and your life will get out of rhythm of the, of the purpose and destiny that God has for you. Going to go back to this verse in Hebrews again. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Notice that the writer says this about this in this verse. He says that it's a sacrifice of praise. We tend to, and I, I, I just love, you know, when I first become a Christian, and actually for a whole lot of years, I was kind of like a stand-at-the-back type worship person. Now, I wasn't like that, because you can't worship anything like that. You don't worship rugby like that, so why can you worship God like that, right? But I was kind of a, a worship person. But God did something in my heart a few years ago now, and I just love being at the front. Do you know there's a special anointing at the front? 
<laughs> nah, God anoints every part, but I reckon there is a special anointing at the front, actually. I just love being in that place of worship. But you know, sometimes it's just, it, it's easy to worship God when everything's going good, isn't it? It's, it's easy to worship God when, when we're in a God space, like here. It, it's easy to worship God when, when, when just the flow of life is going our way. But notice the writer of Hebrews says it's a sacrifice of praise. God is looking for a sacrifice of praise. It will cost you something. Even when your physical body doesn't feel like it, even when everything around you is, is telling you that the environment around you is different, when you come with a sacrifice of praise into that environment, guess what? It shifts that environment. Even when you don't feel like it, when you draw into God and praise Him, you change the situation around you. This is why if you have a health issue, if you have cancer in your body, get prayer, do whatever you need to be. But I want to tell you, you need to get into holding the goodness of God. And even when your body is telling you nothing as good is happening in your body, get into praise, get into the goodness of God and get into magnifying His name. Because you know this, an atmosphere of praise can change the situation around you. It can and that's what God's calling you to do. When you're feeling weak, speak out the truth of God. Scripture says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak, when you're in the weakest moments, speak out your sacrifice of praise and say, God, you are great. No matter what happens to me, you are still a good God. And give them a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. Paul says to do it continuously. His word was continuously on his lips. It's a lifestyle of declaring the goodness of God, regardless of your circumstances. Because we know that our atmosphere of praise changes the situation around us. So we continually praise God. It's an atmosphere of praise. The second and third aspect of praise, we'll go back to that other PowerPoint. The second or third aspect of praise, deal... The first one deals with our relationship with God. The second and third one deal with how we relate with the world around me. You know, the Bible is very clear about this. You cannot worship God and love Him without, having it, a, without it having a practical outworking in other people's lives. First John 4, that's what it says. If someone says, I, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister... That person, now, I didn't write this. I would never say this of anyone. But the Bible says that person is a liar. For if you cannot love people that we can see, how can you love God who you can't see? I, I love how someone I listen to, Paul, Bill Johnson, a bit, says this. This is what he says about this verse. If you claim a relationship with God, an unseen reality you are required to manifest it in the visible by how you relate to and treat your fellow human beings who you can see. Here's the punchline. And if it's not seen in the visible, you have reason to doubt what you claim in the invisible. Now that's a line. You see, if we claim that it's God that we love and that we worship Him, there should be a corresponding flow 
that impacts to the relationships around me. So as we wrap it up, how, how do I tell if my love for God is really genuine? Well, here's the first thing. My love for God should have a transforming impact on my life that should be seen and noticeable by those around me. There should be an increasing health in my relationships with those that are closest to me. That doesn't mean it'll work well with everybody, okay? But there should be an increasing health coming out of me. I should be the initiator of healing contacts. I should be the initiator of forgiveness extended. I should be the one that takes the first step in my relationships, and people should notice it because something has changed in my life. Jesus is starting to bring healing into my broken past and my broken emotions. His spirit and his word, his word is opened, and the spirit of God shines his spotlight on that, and it has, must have, a transforming impact on my life. I should be more emotionally mature and spiritually healthy, and if it isn't, I need to question whether my relationship with God is as strong as I say it is. Here's the second thing. There should be a corresponding flow. There should be a growing heart for the world around me that results in me doing good. I should initiate acts of goodness and acts of kindness as led by the Holy Spirit to those around me. We, we had Kalinda and Doug speaking that are from here and doing an amazing job in China. Uh, boy, were they good a couple of Sundays ago. You've, you've heard her speak? Did she speak here? She speak? Well, I want to tell you something. If it didn't bring tears to your eyes when she talked about and I, I've been to these parts of Asia, so I know. I could be hardened. But I'll tell you, she couldn't share what she shared without something happening in my heart and said, there's got to be some dollars to go to that. There's got to be some dollars to go to that. My heart's got to be touched by the things that touch God's heart. And if my heart isn't touched by the things that touch God's heart, then I've got to ask the question. Is my relationship with God really the relationship that I claim it to be? A vertical relationship with God must be lived out on a horizontal level by relationships with people. I put together these next slides. I'll just get you to throw the first one up. Here's the deal. If we are so focused on God, if, if we claim to love God and draw into Him and worship God. And yet we are becoming more dysfunctional with our relationships with one another. More withdrawn, more depressed. Then I want to tell you, you've got a question, and I'll probably say you've got a spiritual delusion going on. Because that's what the Word of God says. Here's the second slide. If we're so focused on getting ourselves healthy and it's all about me and me and my spiritual walk and me and my journey and how good I look and how healthy I am and how many times I can do stuff for myself, and it's just called the New Age Movement. If I try to change the world without people's lives being changed by a transforming encounter, with the living God and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then all I'm doing is social work. And, excuse me? 
will stuffed through social work. A social experiment ain't working. And if we remove an encounter with God out of it, I love working with people, don't get me wrong, but social work is not the answer. Now, if you're in social work, I applaud you, and we need every bit of prayer. But if people don't have an encounter with the living God, all we're doing is just changing little numbers. All we're doing is achieving tolerable recovery at best. And God's into far more than tolerable recovery, people. He's into your soul being healthy. And then that health, and we know this as we listen to all the stuff we hear, as our soul gets healthy, it has a corresponding effect on our body. A healthy spiritual life, a prosperous soul, has God at the center with a corresponding transforming in my life happening that must be matched by a heart for the lost and a compassion to reach those around us. The sacrifice of praise and worship was never meant to be disconnected from an impact in the community of people. It's the love of God, people, that provides the passion to worship God. And it's the worship of God that provides the power to love people. Because here's the truth. You can try it on your own if you want it. You need God's love to love people. Because you've found out that everyone isn't like you, correct? Some people need special love. And you need the love of God in your heart to do that. Here's my prayer for each one of you. Because you're part of an impacting church. But the impact and the influence of this church, the depth of this church, to be able to impact what God has for its destiny in this world is determined. I I know Dave and Kate play a crucial part in this, right? But the effect and impact that they have on the society around them is determined by the health of each individual in the church. So when we worship God, and it's God that we do worship, there should be a corresponding flow that brings his transformation power into us. And that's a neat thing to see happen. But God says this, it's not the end goal. A healthy community isn't the end goal. The healthy community is part of reaching the end goal. But the end goal is this, is that we bring God's transforming power to the world around us. That's the great commission of Jesus. We want to build healthy churches. I want to build a healthy church. Dave wants to build a healthy church. I know with all his heart, he wants to do that. But a healthy church is only healthy as it's impacting and transforming the world around it, and that's what God calls us to. So Bay City, Bay City, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Lift your vision, because God is calling you to a great task. You have great parents that have birthed this place and led it so well. And I believe with all of my heart that God has called uh, Dave and, and Kate to lead this church. But they're going to build a healthy church, a healthy church that is going to impact not only Hawke's Bay, but you're going to hear stories of the impact from this church, and you'll already hear them through people like Doug and and Kalinda. But you'll hear more and more stories 
of the impact of healthy people who have been transformed by the goodness of God's grace and the power of his word over their life and are going to the hard places of this world and bringing the transforming message of God into this world. Sorry to preach at you. I'm just feeling an urge to do that. But lift your eyes. Come on. Come on, church. Let's lift our eyes and focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, I ask a blessing over these people this morning. I ask for your goodness to be poured out in them. May their body be as healthy and prosperous as their soul is, Lord God. Will you build their soul, build their spirit, so that they are strong in you. And that is our prayer in Jesus' lovely name. Amen.